been on my mind to interview since I first started doing this. And initially I was like, you know, I wanted to talk about essential oils later down the road, which is now I started to feel like I wanted to talk to you about something different, which is mm -hmm. the other part of you that I am aware of, which is your sobriety ness I don't know I don't want to say journey I don't want to say journey because I feel it's just like it's just weird. you know the word journey feels overplayed now doesn't it yeah it does so I just I, I remember when you were doing the sober summits way back mm -hmm. when and yeah. you know you've you've kind of every once in a while on Instagram you'll kind of share little things but you're pretty quiet overall I would say about it um yep. and you know i like that i like that but I'm, it also makes me more curious i wanted to talk to you today about you know being sober what it's like um your observations everything so whenever you're ready start with where you want to start and we'll just kind of go with the flow okay um gosh what do i want to say about this so I can talk a little bit why about why I've been quiet um, and I've been more quiet, I think, over the past year, um, largely just the pandemic really made me hit pause mentally on a lot of the areas in wellness that I was walking toward, right? Um, I think a lot of us can agree that the health and wellness space, some, some people went off, off the cliff a little bit in the last year. And um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I for sure um, looked at those things just because of the, the industry that I've been a part of for the last seven years. So you can't help but look, your peers are all saying and sharing a lot of stuff, right? So I looked at the things and I knew within myself that the fear that came up from a lot of the like admittedly really bizarre things that some people have been sharing, that was a signal to me anyone who's maybe standing on the outside of it kind of would be like, why are you even looking at that stuff in the first place? Like, <laughs> but for me, it was part and parcel with just what every, a lot of, you know, the culture that, you know, I was surrounded with. So anyways, it made me kind of sit back and rethink in a lot of the ways that I first did when I was looking at quitting drinking in that, well, huh, it feels weird. This feels, this feels like I need to sit and consider this, why I think this, why I believe this, why, why I'm inclined to believe this, right? And it's really humbling to even admit, I too looked at the conspiracy theories in the beginning and not with any sort of like, oh, look at how funny this is, but really like, I wonder if this is what's really going on, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah. my gosh. 
And through that realization for myself, realized like I, my voice isn't necessary right now. I have nothing to add to these conversations about wellness, about how people should be taking care of themselves. And so I got quiet. And then my husband was diagnosed with uh, stage four lymphoma. And he was very clear from the get-go. I have a larger following on social media than he does. He was very clear from the get-go. We're not talking about this on the internet at all. And so then I also had this thing that I couldn't talk about as well. So I just, you know, pulled myself back fully. (laughs) And just, I've spent the last year observing, rethinking, actively challenging a lot of the stuff that I've been believing, teaching, sharing with people for, you know, even beyond the seven years that I've been in, uh, you know, the essential oils world, but just like with nutrition and, you know, holistic practices in your home, like all of those things. It's interesting to challenge your thought process and your beliefs around things that you've done for a long time, which I think I have some practice in now having quit drinking. So I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with challenging myself in those ways. And so, you know, in terms of the last year, I guess, and and 2020, And in 2021, have you noticed or observed other people's drinking habits or, you know, have you noticed a change in, in people in that space? Yes. Um, And, you know, part of it, especially because we were all separated from each other, a lot of it's online. So the algorithm is playing a role in how much we're seeing and, 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 and the conversations that were being shown. Certainly in the beginning of the pandemic, I remember it just felt like there were so many memes going around and people sharing posts about, you know, at the end of this, we're all going to be alcoholics, you know, like we're all day drinking, nobody's going to work, ha 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 ha, like I'm so, you know, you know, homeschooling your kids and pouring a glass of wine in the morning and all that kind of stuff and I really have, I've, part of my work in sobriety has been around being able to find compassion for other people. I know before I quit drinking, I had a lot of anger and a lot of judgment within myself. And so at the beginning of the pandemic, when people were seemingly harmlessly joking or maybe not joking in some cases right because I know for myself I used to share those things all the time and alcohol actually was a problem for me so I know that for someone who has shared that in the hopes of just making it you know making a joke they're also hiding something so I tried not to get too angry I think the mommy wine culture is really bad for us. I think we've gotten to the point where we need to recognize that it's actually not helpful to make these kinds of jokes. It's not helpful to go into like the gift shop store and find walls of cards about wine and t-shirts about wine and that whole like just making a joke of of something. I I try really hard to not judge other people's behaviors 
and their choices. Um, it's not for me to say, I certainly never would have listened if someone had said something to me about it. And so at the start of the pandemic, when there were those memes going around, I kind of had to really train myself to have some compassion for people because this was a very challenging time for all of us, right? Definitely. It still is. Let's make no mistake. <laughs> a year and a half into this, a year and four months into this. And then, you know, juxtaposed against these memes making a joke about it, were people getting mad that like the liquor store is still open. The liquor store is an essential service, but, you know, I can't go to church. And I think in that, like, that's where I actually would get mad <laughs> because. I don't think people realize that for some people, quit drinking cold turkey is actually dangerous. And we've moved far beyond. I personally don't believe that addiction of any sort is a choice. I don't think anyone who drinks or, you know, whatever they're abusing, be it a drug or, you know, shopping or social media or whatever, I don't think we are actively choosing to use the thing that we're abusing to see people getting mad about the liquor store still being open and alcohol is such an unhealthy thing. Well, yes. And there are some people who would end up dead, li like literally, because it's actually dangerous for them to stop without help. But it also makes you wonder, is that why it was kept open? Or was oh, for it- sure, right? Like then your wheels start turning and yeah. you go, well- yeah. And the government makes money from it and, you know, yada, yada, yeah. yada, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it's not like bars were open too. If that was the case, then it would be one of those, you know, they've been some of the last thing to open, reopen in the capacity that that would say that, that there was something more untoward behind keeping, you know, a liquor store open. As far as people around me drinking more, Again, because we were so separated from one another, I didn't really notice it. And I don't really feel like there are a lot of people in my life who abuse alcohol, um, like actively right now. Um, certainly not people who are close in my life. Definitely there are people in my life who who do, but certainly not people who are close in my life who would have been some of the like immediate people that we would socialize with if it was, you know. So I didn't really notice anyone in my life directly consuming more during the pandemic, no. I definitely felt it in mine. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, I would say more people would I had a few people kind of admit to me that they were drinking too much, yeah. you know, and, and just sort of this conversation, just regular conversation. And then just kind of gets slipped in there. Oh, I might be, I might be drinking too much. Might be. Might be. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> you know, no one has said anything. I never noticed anything in the, at the time, but now after the fact, looking back, I've definitely had people admit to me that you know their glass of wine that they might pour while they're making dinner every night very quickly turned into a bottle a day right mm -hmm. but that's you know 
that's I wasn't witness to that. <laughs> I wasn't oh. witness to that. Though I certainly relate. That is what drinking was for me before. You know, when I quit, it wasn't, you know, we have this, we do those quizzes online. Am I an alcoholic? <laughs> and I kind of, you know, if you're questioning your relationship with alcohol, maybe just pause and look at that. You don't need to do a quiz. Ask yourself what is behind that, you know, opening a beer, what is behind that scotch or, you know, glass of Merlot that you must have every night at five o'clock at the end of the day. So we have this image in our head that it's either like alcohol is not a problem or your life is completely falling apart because of alcohol. And if it's not this thing, if your life is perfectly okay, then you have no reason to quit. Right? Right. Why, why would you need to quit? So I was that person. There is no one, I don't think anyone in my life who would say that the, like me who quit drinking in October of 2016 needed to quit, right? Like her life was falling apart. It wasn't, <laughs> like it certainly wasn't. We were just about to move into this house. I had a great job, happily married, two healthy kids. I was running, I was, you know, <laughs> like running, you know, multiple half marathons in, in a year and, there's no, on the surface, there was no, no reason, except I knew that every time I took a break from alcohol, be it, you know, doing a cleanse or just recognizing that I was being a little bit too habitual, like, okay, I am drinking a bottle of wine every night. I probably should dial it back for a bit, right? <laughs> I knew that when I took those breaks, there would come a point where I had such clarity, such peace, and it would all disappear the next time I decided I wanted to have a drink again. And so part of the reason why I quit was simply, well, I wonder what happens if I keep going through that, right? Mm -hmm. If, you know, two or three weeks without alcohol, which was like a huge deal, to me at the time, if that like prior to that, the only times I'd ever been sober for long stretches of time was when I was pregnant. That says a lot. And then prior to that was before I couldn't, I wasn't old enough to drink. So I was just really curious to see what was possible if I took alcohol out of my life. What if that is the thing that is holding me back? And? So far, that's, it's proven to be something that was getting in the way, for sure, mm -hmm. of me realizing what peace actually feels like, <laughs> how to forgive, truly forgive, not just others, but myself, and really like my life. It was holding me back. It wasn't holding me back from like this big thing that I needed to accomplish. 
But in a way it was, right? Because when we pour that glass of wine at five o'clock, aren't we doing it because we're looking for peace? To relax. Right? To, to chill relax. out, to relax. Yeah. To just kind of like, oh, turns out you don't need alcohol for that. <laughs> and no judgment if you, you know, if people want to, I'm, I'm certainly not on any mission to get people to quit drinking. <laughs> I, all I know is that I am an example of, it doesn't take all the fun and joy out of your life. It actually, it actually puts it back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I find that for me, it's, um, and then it's been five months, it'll be six months and a week and a half. I did nine months when I was 29. That was, that was a big deal for me at the time. And I was really proud of myself. And so I'd, I'd always thought back to that time, but, um, this, this time around, it was like dry February let's just do drive February, you know, but the one thing that really got me and it's like what you were saying is like, it was, it's the to relax thing. And it was like the whole notion of, you know, having a drink to relax. And all of a sudden, like you, you know, in order to socialize, you have to center it around having a drink, you know? So let's do this at this place where we can socialize and drink and, you know, and so everything was kind of socializing, drinking, relaxing, drinking. And to me, it just was like, I don't want to, to have my relaxation and socializing depend on having drink or drinking playing a role in that. And what happens if I take the alcohol out? What types of activities will I lean into when I take that out, when it comes to relaxing? Oh, it turns out I, started rollerblading again you know um fun (laughs) yes why not with the bike shorts Uh, and the fanny pack because that's in fashion now I need a fanny pack I am in the market for a fanny pack um but yeah and then the socializing factor too like you know what do you do with your friends and and so many let's go for a drink let's meet up for a drink and um, turns out I haven't socialized a lot this year <laughs> because of it, yeah. you know, because that first knee jerk reaction to have a drink instead has become, you know, find a mom friend and let's go to the park with our kids and bond and have fun that way. And I, let me tell you, I enjoy it. I enjoy it, you know, and it's, it's nice, but I don't know. What about you? Do you, are you in this, are you in the mindset of forever, I'm gonna not drink forever. Like what kind of mindset are you in? I'm very curious. It's interesting because when you don't have to quit drinking, (laughs) you also don't have to stay sober, (laughs) right? Yes, yes. And I have no intention of going back largely because I don't see it having a place of value in my life anymore. I have done so many things, enjoyed an elegant dinner, celebrated milestone birthdays, gone through a loved one's cancer treatment, watched my oldest child graduate elementary school, like, you know, 
obviously some people are drinking for all of those things. Traveled to India, like, you know, like done all of these incredible things without alcohol. And I don't miss its place in any of those moments at all. Like I turned 40 in the spring, no alcohol. Happy birthday. <laughs> I haven't had a hangover in so long. <laughs> I just, I can genuinely say I don't need it. Like, I know I don't need it. Yeah. I don't even crave it. I, I don't even crave it. And my husband doesn't drink anymore either now. Oh. Now it's got absolutely nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm everything to do with his decision during chemo and the realization that alcohol probably wasn't going to help his recovery. <laughs> you know, but up until that point, we had beer in our house all the time. We had, you know, we still have a bottle of champagne that our friends gave my husband when he turned 40, which was a month into me being sober. It's never been touched. Right. And I don't, have any desire to like, I don't even miss the taste at all. I don't even miss the experience of it at all. And I think because I've done the work of pulling the romance out of it. Mm. Cause I, you, that's a task. Right? <laughs> that's that's a task. the lure, right? <laughs> that is the lure. Yeah. Pour your nice glass of, you know, cab sab and go sit out on the balcony and watch the sunset beautiful but isn't the sunset beautiful without it can't you sit there without it or enjoy without and I really do enjoy my life a lot more without it it's given me the perspective and the gift of honestly asking myself if this thing that we're invited to that's you know centered around alcohol do I even really want to go and taking care of myself in that way Mm -hmm. so forever I don't know I didn't do the 12 steps though AA has been a part of my life through friends who are sober and through loved ones who have been through the program I do very much believe in the one day at a time and knowing that for sure today I'm not drinking I'm also not at risk for drinking. Like I'm, I, I recognize that I, I come from a privileged place in the world where I don't have the extreme traumas and things that another person who's trying to quit might be carrying with them. So I'm very grateful to be able to say that I'm not at risk of feeling like I need to drink mm -hmm. and can comfortably say, yeah, probably forever. <laughs> That's awesome. Mostly because I want to see what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> I already know what happens if I drink. Yeah. I already know. <laughs> I don't know what happens if I finish my life without it. That's a really, really awesome mindset. I like that mindset. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I lived the, the daily, you know, 
am I going to drink today? Or there's an upcoming event. Am I going to drink at that event? I'll, yeah. I'll decide when I get there, you know? Yeah. And I get there and I think, where's the San Pellegrino? You know? Totally, where's right? The- <laughs> Is there any lime in here? Any lemons around? Oh, soda water with lime. <laughs> soda water with lime. <laughs> I, I really like the, <laughs> the saying sober, not boring. And my drink selection, if I do go out or to a restaurant or what have you, is quite boring. I will default to soda water with lime. I'm also really not... I've so desensitized myself to the experience of like a beverage with a meal that I actually don't have any sort of need for that to be part of the experience. I'm fully there for the food most of the time. (laughs) And I'm quite content with like warm water with lemon because it helps your digestion or like (laughs) I might actually be 80 years old. So soda water with lime is great. I know a lot of people like kombucha. Mm -hmm. For me, not because of the potential alcohol content, but because of the sugar and the fermentation. It sits weird in my gut, in my digestive system. Yeah. Water kefir, however which is also a fermented beverage, but it's not tea-based. Maybe that has something to do with it as well. If a venue or a restaurant has water kefir as Mm -hmm. opposed to kombucha, maybe I'll get a water kefir. I'm also quite happy to ask the bartender for mocktails, though I'm not... I wasn't a cocktail drinker anyway, so like I might have done like a gin and tonic but I don't, I'm not a cocktail person. So I, I, you know, a virgin mojito is probably about as fancy as I get. Uh, at home recently though, my girlfriend who is 12 years sober introduced me to this incredible non-alcoholic distilled spirits uh, company called Seedlip. And I've purchased two of their bottles and they are phenomenal in soda water with like some fruit muddled in and, you know, stuff like that. So I'm sort of starting to get into that crafting your own non-alcoholic beverage kind of experience for myself. But I will say early on in in my sobriety many of my many of our friends still drink very few people in our social circle actually don't consume alcohol and we'd gone out for dinner with some friends one night and everybody was you know my husband and two other couples and i and everybody was drinking and we'd gone on to the Dublin gate here in Whistler and you know they'd had a few rounds of you know pints or whatever and 
I'm just sitting there with my soda water and lime. And then the next round comes and they'd all ordered soda water and lime as well. So I had friends who were willing to join me and include me without being like, well, why don't you just have like a, you know, non-alcoholic beer, which I don't like. I don't, non-alcoholic beer doesn't, I wasn't much of a beer drinker when I quit drinking. So I don't, I'm not going to drink beer flavored soda water. (laughs) That's really nice though. That's nice nice. that your friends did that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, that's something I've never heard of actually. Yeah. 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 It's very like thoughtful, inclusive, inclusive, and hey, we can take a pause from our drinking and join in Amy's fun for a little while and, you know, totally. switch gears and she won't care either way. That's right. That's right. And because I don't, right? I know yeah. for me, and it's very rare that, that I find myself out um, <laughs> past a certain point <laughs> of the evening. Um, but if I do for me at a certain point, it gets boring because the, the evening has moved from just socializing to, you know, there's that point in the evening where it's, we're not social drinking anymore. Now we're, we're working on something else. (laughs) And that's when I am like, I'm going to go home. Yeah. I don't need to, I don't need to be there for that part of the night not because it's tempting or anything but just because it's not interesting to me anymore it's just a different level yeah it's just a different level and I don't hold any judgment it just that there's no place for me there anymore Mm -hmm. so yeah hats off to you for for five years almost October will be five years so coming up to your five-year anniversary October what day first Nice. I quit with sober October. That was how I hid behind what I was, what my intention might be. Right. I kind of, when I started sober October, I knew that it was probably going to go longer. I just had this sense that this was it. So that was my little secret that I was actually going to quit forever. And I could use sober October to get the first 30 days for myself out of the way without having to answer all the questions. Cause that's one of the hardest things about quitting when, and I'm sure you've maybe recognized this yourself in certain scenarios. When, when people find out that you're not drinking, it's the only drug that we have to have an explanation for not using. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're not drinking, you must be like pregnant on antibiotics or you on a cleanse. Why are you on a cleanse? You know, like you have to have some sort of weird reason or you have to be doing like sober October or dry February or dry July or, you know, whatever, dry January. And so I hid behind sober October for 31 days. It was the first sober October where Halloween came and I didn't drink on Halloween which is still October. (laughs) 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 And then I just decided from there, I'll see how long, how much longer I can go. 
And that became my answer when people would ask me, why aren't you drinking? And I'd say, well, I just feel really good. I want to see how much longer I can go. Mm -hmm. And then you get into Christmas and then you get into New Year's. And then you're not drinking at the New Year's Eve party. And that's weird. But yeah, it's those first social experiences as a sober person where you're really, you feel like a vulnerable you and your little sobriety, your days of sobriety are just like, okay, it's you and me and we're going out and we're going to be fine. <laughs> We've got our sober October armor on, you know, no one's going to bother us. And yeah, those stringing those days together in the beginning is hard. And I'm someone who's pretty, uh, uns- like I, the peer pressure thing isn't a thing for me. Like I don't, I'm not someone who would, who succumbs to that or has any sort of like, don't even try it kind of thing. Yeah. Like the having, having sober October in there and trying to protect my sobriety, I felt really defensive in a way that I wouldn't be that I wasn't when I like quit smoking or, you know, any other thing that I've quit. Um, yeah, it was, it was very weird. I was very defensive of it in the beginning. Yeah. And I think that's because of the, just how normal, how normalized it is to drink. And so when you put somebody in a place where everyone else is drinking, but you all of a sudden you're the not normal person. Yep. And so automatically if someone finds the not normal person in the room and calls that not normal person out you're gonna you're gonna have your guards up you're gonna be defensive because you know people are kind of singling you out because they do they they always do they will always do and you know generally speaking the people who single you out are the ones with the biggest problem yeah those who don't have drinking problems and do socially drink aren't going to be singling out those people who are choosing not to drink because they don't care. They don't care. No, if they don't care. Or not. No, yeah. but it's the people that actually have a problem that will continually offer that will continually single you out. And, you know, but it's just, it's because they're not comfortable with you not drinking. Totally. Because it holds a mirror up to them of, I don't want to say of like their issues, but of an awareness that they might have within themselves already that alcohol might not be serving them. And it's kind of one of, you know, once you know, you can't unknow. Once you're aware and you've admitted to yourself, this is a problem. For me, it wasn't an option to not do something about it. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say I arrived, I was like, oh, this is a problem. And the next day was October 1st and that was it. I had to come to it (laughs) through the practice of, you know, taking those breaks many times, but never, they were never with the intention of quitting forever. Mm -hmm. Like it was when I knew I was quitting forever. You know, I didn't do it it's not, you know, this is one of those, it's kind of like I was saying at the very beginning, how there are people who, for whom 
quitting cold turkey is a dangerous thing. Certainly, this is something that I knew I was pretty safe to not seek medical help for, but there are definitely people out there for whom, if they're listening to this, they might need to talk to their doctor about how you go about this because the withdrawals are different. The impact on your body and your brain is different than say the withdrawals from like detoxing from like heroin or harder drugs, right? I've had people in my life who've experienced severe brain damage because they were detoxed from alcohol without that support. And it's, it's really devastating and, and, and dangerous. So that's one of those things that these conversations bring up. Like when someone is aware that they do have a problem, the next right move is to probably make an appointment to talk to your doctor about it Mm -hmm. so that they can help you properly assess whether or not you do need some surveillance while you go through your first few days without it, because it's kind of real sucky to find out the hard way that you, you should have had help. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I never even thought about that, that added layer too. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Um, Especially if you've been drinking every day for 40 years. Yeah. You know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. It could kill you. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it, it is an addiction and um, we have to treat it like we would any other kind of hard drug addiction. You can't just detox quietly in your house in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta come out sometime. (laughs) That's right. You need to actually like get some support and get some help. And yeah, it's yeah. Well, I, I thank you for your time today. And, um, it's nice talking to a fellow person such as yourself, who sees the benefits to not drinking. And, uh, you know, this whole notion of sobriety and sober curious, like I'm, I'm very much um, hyper aware of it more now than ever. And um, I'm, I'm enjoying kind of exploring this topic. Um, I think that not a lot of people talk about it. There's, I've come across a few people on Instagram and, and what have you, and they're openly talking about it. But, you know, a lot of it is also on alcohol and people don't talk about marijuana use. That's true. You know, and I find that marijuana use is it's quite hidden. People still, you know, it's like a behind like closed doors type of a habit that a lot of people have, despite the fact that it's legal just that whole notion of, of even addiction in general, shopping, eating, drinking, smoking, like everything. And, you know, what was that, that link you sent me about trauma that, that documentary? Oh, Gabor Mate's. I watched that. Yeah. I watched that. And it was like, hello, like, come on people, you know, we're, we're all just traumatized beings and we're reaching for things you know, to help. Yeah. It's like Gabor Mate says, not ask yourself, not why the addiction, but why the pain. Precisely. 
yeah, what are you trying to numb? What are you trying to escape from? His book, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, is one of my favorite books on trauma and addiction. Uh, I just finished Johan Hari's Chasing the Scream, which is about the war on drugs. And another, which is another phenomenal, real deep dive into, you know, you want to talk about, you know, a small conspiracy behind liquor stores being open during the pandemic. Look at the conspiracy of the, at the war on drugs and what it has done. Um, It's, it's unbelievable just how much it influences every, every society around the world. Mm-hmm. and what it has done. I am in the process of getting my holistic nutritionist designation so that I can support women who've quit drinking in staying sober and rebuilding their health with nutrition. And um, I've been certified in um, pranayama breathwork medicine um, as well. And I'm just reading so much lately around what really is at the root of the things that make us sick and how if we were all willing to see the human inside the addiction we might be able to extend a little more compassion definitely well that sounds like a really good place for you to go and I think you're going to do great things in that space. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to, to follow along and see how you, you make out. I won't be so quiet <laughs> soon. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. You know, it's, sometimes it's good to just, yeah, be quiet. I've, I'm feeling that, you know? Yeah. 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 Learning that I needed to be in a space of rethinking before I speak, even, you know, doing that, even doing this podcast interview, I was, I had that moment of what do I, what wisdom do I have? What do I have to offer right now? Is what I'm saying going to be of any use? <laughs> was for me <laughs> and I'm sure it will be for others. So well, it just needs to be for one, right? Hey, yeah, totally. Right. Absolutely. And that's, you know, if it helps one person, if one person sees or hears something in this that they go, that makes them even just think again about the place alcohol has in their life, then, then that's great. It's not my motivation, but I know that that is the typical result. <laughs> Some people are like, geez, nope, that's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine.